0: Fuck, hey y'all! Welcome back <laughs> to
1: Ghost Talk. It is your host Hamza the Truth. Hello everybody. It is Muhammad Salat. Today we have a very very special guest, mm-hmm. Roon. Today we're the ones that are going to be asking the questions.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Hopefully, hopefully mm-hmm. we get some good answers out of a therapist. Inshallah. 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 We definitely will. We definitely will. Because
2: there's so much to learn. Um, I think we're both really looking forward to this episode. Yeah, I'm very excited for this episode and, um. I think our viewers are going to learn a lot. We're going to learn a lot. Like I told you earlier, we're going to have like a lot of like aha moments. Like, oh. So I am I'm looking forward to that very much. Everything is good? Yeah, we're good. Awesome. How are you feeling, Ron? How, how are you feeling today? <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's a question that I ask a lot. Yeah. But um, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good.
2: Good, that's good
1: That's it? You over there thinking? Me? Yeah No con- I'm just making sure everything's okay We're a little late yeah. Sorry everyone, we apologize for that We've been having yeah. technical difficulties for a minute now Yep We got a new little audio thing Yep Cause we finally came up We got sponsors now Yeah Shout out to Muhammad. <laughs> it was
2: here was It wasn't yeah, me <laughs> I'm a poor I'm a poor college graduate Um Um So you graduated I did graduate Yes congratulations thank you congratulations so much. thank you so much I appreciate it um it's been a lot I've been I've been asked what's next maybe like 30 times so yeah, it has been good it's been some bad it's, all right. it's the end <laughs> of the world <laughs> have, have you have
1: you ever had any like students or I guess NDA of course right mm-hmm. yeah. but like Have you ever had, like, any midlife crisis at, like, a young age? Or people thought it's just, like, yo, it's over with? I don't know what to do the rest of my life?
3: Yeah. So I worked with college students on a college campus. And that was Mm -hmm. a common theme of, like, what do I do with life? What's next? Because you're expected to have it all figured out. You picked out a major. You're graduating. So you should know what you want to do. But that's not always the case. Do people
1: expect you to have all the answers, though?
3: Sometimes. I think people will come to a therapist and they're like, I want, like, what What should I do? Yeah. As if, like, we have the answers. And it's not, like, I wish I had a magic wand where I could just be like, and then your, your issue is solved. But that's not the way it works out.
1: I don't know. I have so many questions. Like, what made you want to get into it? Like, um, was it just a whim or was it an actual career choice at a young age that was, like, calculated?
3: It was definitely not calculated at all. Um, so... Back when I was growing up, way back in the day, um, mental health wasn't talked about like it is now. It wasn't in, um, there was no social media. It wasn't in the movies. Um, I think that's more common now where you see like therapists in movies and people talking about their their mental health. But I went into college, um, I think like many Somali children, wanting to be a doctor. Okay. Um, so that was that was my career goal. That's what I wanted to do. Um Ever since I was a young kid, I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. Um, but as I started college and I started taking math classes and chemistry classes and bio classes, I was like, this this is not it. Like, I was failing classes left and right. Especially,
2: especially that um, that organic chemistry.
3: I, I didn't even make it there. Oh, this was goodness. like the first <laughs> chemistry level. Oh my goodness!
2: I didn't. I never took organic chem either, But I have a lot of friends who who took it and. They, that's compl- just when it flips. Everything a lot of complaining. Flips. I'll say that. A lot of complaining. Yeah, a lot of like, yeah. oh my god, this is terrible. <laughs> um, yeah. So then, so you had that kind of college experience, um, and that kind of led you to kind of what, go a different so, direction. Or?
3: Yeah. So I, once I started failing classes, I was like, I can't continue on this path. Um, I even got tutors. Like it just wasn't. Mm-hmm. I was. It wasn't clicking. Um, and then in my junior year, I took. Um, a couple and family therapy course like an intro to couple and family therapy and I was like this is it like I didn't even know this was like a field like a career choice so once I took that class then I was like okay this is what I want to do with my life um, so I graduated with a degree in human development and family science and then went on to get my master's in clinical um, counseling wow. and that's how I ended up in this in this realm.
2: Mashallah. and what are you doing right now education wise?
3: So right now I went back to school Um, after some years in the field, I was, I always knew I wanted to do a PhD, but I didn't know in what. So I was like, this is a commitment. Let me practice and like be a therapist and be out in the field. And then um, I'll revisit it. And once I was actually practicing and working with like teenagers and their parents, and I was like, I'm really interested in this family dynamic. Um, And then I started school again for the third time. And now I'm doing my PhD. Um, I have one year left, inshallah. So, inshallah, it goes smoothly, and I finish, and <laughs> I become doctor, doctor Said. So, doctor inshallah, Said, inshallah, goes well. inshallah, yeah.
2: inshallah, that'd be that'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, and what are you doing your PhD on? do You know.
3: So I'm looking at sort of bicultural, so like Somali American um, adolescents and young adults, and how they develop their sense of identity. So like they're balancing two cultures. Yeah. Um, that are very different from each other. Um, and a lot of the times they're navigating it on their own, right? So parents are not really well-equipped to help them navigate the American culture. Mm-hmm. And the American culture just sees like a black kid and they're like, mm, you're, you don't you don't belong in, in here either. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like? How do they develop like a sense of identity? Um, how does that impact their mental health? And like, what role can parents play? Like, can we actually help parents in supporting their children as they're developing this identity so that... That encompasses sort of my research interests, and inshallah, um, I hope to continue on and do my dissertation on Daqan um, exactly. Alis. So like, I feel like that's wow. a very big component in terms of identity that's your development. Inshallah, that's what inshallah. I'm proposing. Oh. Yeah.
2: That is going to be heavy. Yeah, yeah. That is going to wow. be heavy. That's different. Did, did you, would you consider what you did, like going back to Kenya, Hamza, Daqan Alis, or? You know what I mean? Like, was that was that something something different? Um, and like, what what was that experience like? How did that like kind of affect your identity? I think a lot of times with that. Stop. And I had so much to talk
1: about. Like, I had an actual topic that is.
2: God damn it! Gosh darn it!
1: On the bright side, we can go back to it. Yeah. But I have a fire point regarding dissertations, though. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah so we can just. Dis- his dissertation. Oh, and we're back
2: online. Yeah. So did it have? And it was back. Yeah. So we just keep rolling. Hmm. We just keep let the cameras roll. His dad just became a doctor. Oh my it's So
3: like that. I feel like that's wow. a very big component in terms of okay. identity development. Inshallah, that's what Inshallah. I'm proposing. Okay. Yeah.
2: That is gonna be heavy. Yeah. Yeah. We sound good. We sound better than we do in the on the headphones. On the
0: headphones, yeah, we do. Yeah.
2: so just record it like test it before we, we get back into it yeah. Get into it that is going to be wild though my, my siblings are, are back home now oh like, hey. this is yeah. such a topic though I don't think well mm-hmm. well what it's, it's, no it is the topic I'm, I'm talking about my siblings I don't think they're doing the Alisto necessarily but it depends on like how how do you what what yeah. is yeah so I want to
3: get stuff. different perspectives like yeah. I want because there's different ways that people do it right yeah so I want to get like different perspectives and see because some people really yeah. liked it some people didn't like it some people it was traumatic I just flat out refused
2: did you have to did kid. you go through it
3: I don't think I would consider so I went back home once um, and that was just a two month stay yeah. and I knew it was a vacation and that was that so I don't I wouldn't consider that because it wasn't the purpose of like. Reconnecting me with my culture. It was just to visit family, so I don't, mm-hmm. I I didn't personally go through it, but I had siblings who were there for like two years, and I would consider that yeah, دقنالس, yeah.
1: Well like their like their main focus of being back was to, strictly for the دقن.
3: yeah, like learn the language, learn the deen like connect with the family, and learn the دقن.
1: I never thought someone would study that. Like that's just something just in the norm for somebody culture. It's just like oh, just
2: wanna like. But the idea of like studying it and deconstructing it yeah. and understanding it and like you know what's a very interesting dynamic that I think about a lot is the parents need and the parents like interest in their kid learning their dakhan mm-hmm. and then them force forcing it onto the kid and sending them back home mm-hmm. could inadvertently make the kid hate their dakhan yeah. like yeah
0: yeah.
2: like it's wild like I want my I haraba. Mm-hmm. And the kid is like, I'm not trying to do that. I want to be here where my friends are, where my community is. You know, like and then eventually when they get stuck there for like four years, five years, six years, sometimes shorter, sometimes longer, that could make them go like oh, I hate this shit. Like mm-hmm. I hate this entire just identity that's been kind of forced on me. Have you have you seen any like positive impacts?
3: Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen people who, like, feel like that going back helped them reconnect mm-hmm. um, and help them learn the language and find a sense of belonging. But I've also seen the flip side of people oh, yeah. like, oh, I went back and I thought, like, okay, like, I'm Somali. I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know, Somalia or Ethiopia or Kenya to see my people. And you go there and they're like, okay, this is a and like, this yeah. is not one of us. And you are like okay but back in america they were saying i wasn't one of them either and now you're saying i'm not so like where do where do i belong yeah. so it can actually like extenuate that identity crisis that a lot of kids may be feeling yeah.
2: did you did you experience um a lot of that hamza when you went back
1: i mean like i think my the biggest difference with mine is that i went with a huge family mm-hmm. so i went with like 10 10 11 cousins so it felt more so like a family vacation and i don't know we weren't really like we were so focusing on school and Duxi and stuff where friends and all that was out of the picture too. Yeah. How old were you guys? Were you guys younger, older? When we when I first went out to Somali for three months and that was like a vacation. Mm. And that was like sixth grade. And then seventh grade, they said, you know what, little guy, you might have to be there for a little bit longer. So I stayed there for like a full school year. Mm. And that aspect was just different because I remember leaving and all my friends and stuff were in a certain area of life. And then when I went there for, like, a year, my whole time, I'm thinking about the life that we had. I came back ninth grade year. And every—like, that's a huge change on a kid. Oh, yeah. So a lot of my friends were, like, way different. But, like, in my head, they were the same person from, like, a year ago. Mm. So that's the first time I felt, like, damn, people do change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was, like, an interesting impact
2: on me. Wow. I've, I never went. I never went back. I was I was born in, in, in Ethiopia, grew up in Somalia for a time as a kid. Um, but I, I came here, and I, I just— I went back to Kenya in like 2019, but I wouldn't necessarily consider that like. I was supposed to be there for three months. I stayed for three weeks, and I was like, "Oh know, wow, I'm out." I'm you dying. said you done. I'm good off it. It's not. It's not for me. <laughs> it's not for me, man. I had long, I had long hair. People were like staring at me, like this. Like this guy's definitely from America. It's it's very interesting though. Like how, like you said, like they we don't necessarily fit anywhere. Mm-hmm you know and like you can again you can preach it and say it all you want like um, you know go be a part of it and you can push people to do it but like the, the practical part of it of just like am I accepted when mm-hmm. I when I go out and when I reach out sometimes for some people it's, it's, it's not really there and that can really have a big toll and a big effect on somebody's mental health um, like moving forward and like building like you said like building an identity and mm-hmm and all of that so were you were you born here or um i'm in the united states um,
3: i was yeah i was born in atlanta um we sort of moved around but i spent mo- a good a good chunk of my life growing up in atlanta um, and i didn't go back to somalia until i was like 15 mm-hmm. so like i was already developing like a sense of identity and at that time i was like I'm American, like I'm American all the way. <laughs> yep. um, and then I went back and then I went there and I was like, okay, maybe maybe I'm Somali. Um, Cause like growing up, there weren't a lot of Somali kids, um, just like in the time that I was born. And then mid nineties, a lot of Somali kids started to come and I'm like, okay, like these are the people I'm gonna connect with. And they're like, no, like you don't even speak our language. Like they had just come like fresh, like from mm. back home. And they were like, nope, you don't speak our language. And like, they're all talking about the places that they were born and it's all kind of like the cities back home and it's like, okay. So then I really clung to my American identity because I spoke the language. It's all I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went back and then over there, they're telling me too, like, you're like you're not one of us. And I was mm-hmm. speaking Somali, like I was fluent, mm-hmm. <laughs> but apparently there's like an accent and they're oh, yeah. like, had Lisa, like yeah. And I was like, okay, I guess there's I don't speak walk, as well. Too.
2: I heard like they could There's tell based off how, how you walk. walk. Yep. Mm-hmm. I
3: heard that. Which is crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's what folks told me when I went there. I asked my siblings, I was like, how do people know that yeah. I that I am from I'm from the States, you know? Yeah. And they're like, Yeah, it's the way you walk.
3: So you don't even have to talk.
2: And how do I walk? <laughs> I walk different? Like yeah. that doesn't make any sense. But I guess I guess that's how it is. And it, it definitely it's definitely a very very interesting thing. Mm-hmm. um so how was your experience like just kind of growing because we talked about this earlier just growing up in atlanta was there a somali experience because a lot of mm-hmm. us that grew up in minnesota even though we didn't a lot so there's a lot of kids who never went back to somalia but mm-hmm. they they did have a somali experience because they grew up grew up around so much somalis you know yeah, yeah.
0: um
2: so what was what was that dynamic like in growing up in atlanta georgia and how did that change now that you've moved over here
3: um so there wasn't a lot of Somalis. So like my parents came in the eighties mm-hmm. um, and there weren't a lot of Somalis. There was like a few and they really connected, um, but there wasn't enough for them to have like a Somali experience, mm-hmm. but there were other uh, African immigrants that were there. And I, th- I feel like they all sort of bonded together. So like the Ethiopians are um, And then they had a co- like a collective experience. Um, and then we moved to Columbus, which has a pretty, um, big somali uh, population there too and that was sort of uh an immersive experience but then i come here and i feel like i'm back home like everywhere mm-hmm. i look there's somali people like there's not a place that i, I go to that i wouldn't typically see it like that I, w- I would see a somali person so i feel like here is even more immersive mm-hmm.
1: um homegrown homegrown spoke of it because homegrown was from the east coast as well
3: mm-hmm. i think was it
2: was it the dmv yeah, he's from the DMV. We talked about this earlier. How yeah. he he had a similar experience where he didn't necessarily have a Somali experience. He mm. had like an African immigrant experience.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: and that's kind of what shaped his his identity. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's kind of it really is it really is different because I, I grew up in Cedars. So even though I never really like I told mm-hmm. you I never really went back to Somalia. and yeah. I came here at a very young age. My Somali is very good mm-hmm. because I just. I just grew up around so much Somali people that yeah. you just practice it and you you speak to old heads all the time and it's it's very much like a a very tight knit community so you interact with other people a lot mm-hmm. as well so that that definitely has has an effect on you um, I have a burning question that <laughs> that I, that I Go ahead. that's like way left field <laughs> okay. It's the same question from before, the aha moment that I had. Oh, the one before? Mm. And I'm going to forget it, and I don't want to forget it. (laughs) So, you're a therapist, right? I am, yes. Mashallah. How accurate are therapy sessions in movies and shows?
3: So, not that accurate. Like, as I'm watching, like, a... a therapy scene in a movie, like I can just see, like, I'm like, okay, that's an ethical concern, that's a boundary that's being crossed. Um, so it's not as accurate as is portrayed um, in the movies. So it's not as like explosive, oh, or like, okay. like we were saying earlier, like the couch that people mm-hmm. sort of lie on and then they talk. That's not, that's not, no. that's not real therapy. <laughs>
2: so it's more mellow more chill vibe. it's more chill yeah is it Um, because I feel like it, in movies there's a lot of like it feels more like an interrogation than a, yeah. ther- than a therapy session you know yeah. what I mean like there's a lot of like
3: oh,
1: oh. How, how would how would like a real therapy session go about like from start to finish like somebody comes how does that, how does that interaction even work because I've never been to therapy
2: I, I, I'm I'm in therapy
1: right <laughs> <laughs> so you have that experience like how yeah. for like someone Who's only seen it because like when you said that question in my head, yeah. I'm like, damn, that's all I really think therapy is. Exactly. Mm. So how how is it for somebody who's never been to therapy?
3: OK, so say you get connected to a therapist, right? Yeah. And then you have your first session in that first like one to two sessions. The therapist is really just trying to like yeah, get say. information, um, find out about your background, like what's bringing you in, like what are you struggling with? What do you mm-hmm. want to work on? And then the sessions from there are just like sort of. Um, connecting like the therapist is trying to build rapport because obviously we want you to be comfortable enough to share whatever it is that you're coming in to talk to us about yeah. and then um as the sessions go on we're starting to work on on the on the issues that you're bringing in um so it's really chill it's like an hour 50 minutes to an hour session that it like it seems and forth. so intense
2: in the movies though oh there's yeah. times when like i'll go into a therapy session and like we'll just have like a conversation and we'll just like kick it it's not it's nothing crazy. It's not like, because, like, it's, you know what it's like? It's very much like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like a lot of prompts mm. that lead you to kind of answer your own questions. You know what I mean? Mm.
1: So, like. So, what's like a successful therapy session? Like, someone is like, you know what? That was a successful one.
3: Yeah. So, I think it depends on like what the client, um, like what their goal is. So for example, if someone just wants like a place to just vent Mm -hmm. um, and just like process something that happened, sometimes just like talking about the issue can provide new insight. Or like you said, like it can, um, those prompts can give you a different perspective, like a different way to look at it. So it's, and some sessions you may not, you may not have that. Like not every session has like an aha moment. Mm -hmm. Some sessions are just like building blocks to that, to that moment.
2: Oh, another thing in movies and uh, shows too, it's very accelerated. So like they'll be in there, they'll come into the session like not wanting to talk about the death of their partner, right? They're like, my partner died in the the line of duty. I don't want to speak about him. And then in that one hour session after like four questions... Like dude is is sobbing, like (laughs) I just, I loved him so much and I didn't want him to die and I feel responsible. (laughs) Like it it doesn't work like that. Like it takes, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of like you asking yourself like, oh, okay. And what's really cool is a lot of times for me personally as well, you live in your head, right? And you process things in Mm -hmm. your head and you Mm -hmm. deal with things in your head. When you go to therapy, like even just one question you get asked and then you say what you were thinking in your head out loud. And then you go, Oh, well, it was not even that bad. Like, Mm -hmm. huh. And then you just do it more and you do it more and then you get more comfortable. And like, um, you kind of just like unravel, you know, and it's good. Well, it's good. So that the important thing is dope. I like this dynamic though, because
1: you've like, you done therapy sessions. You're a therapist. I've never done it. So like, I feel like there's three people that are in, Three different stages. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. One question hear, that I have though. Yeah. Is is it draining? Oh, because
2: I feel like for you, it's very re- relieving. Oh. No, not necessarily. Some, okay. Sometimes you feel dra- like as someone, because like for me, my my issue, especially when I first went into therapy, is mm-hmm. like I was a very closed off person, and I built those walls and I built built those par- barriers. So like when you're like that, in c- compared to like somebody who. Um, for example, isn't necessarily closed off but just needs a space to vent and to communicate those
0: things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Me, like, I didn't have a problem with having the space to vent and communicate. I had a problem with communicating itself mm-hmm. and, like, like, putting into words what's going on in my head and what's bothering me and what I'm having issues with. So, it was draining because you gotta, like, tear those walls down. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, in a mi- it's like a mix of, like, it's a lot of emotional, like, you're battling high, the whole time Yeah battling mm-hmm. you're, you're like There's a lot of emotions Coming out mm-hmm. but And you're at the, trying to at the, Get it out Exactly mm-hmm. But at mm-hmm. the end of it You're like oh, I'm so glad that like
1: I did that You know what I mean But and like How do you feel about that Like how does like He's going through that How does the mm-hmm. therapist Actually feel
3: Um I think So as a therapist Like as I'm working With a client like that Like I'm trying not to like Push them too far Like I want them to open up But not in a way that's like Too much too soon so you're working to gauge it, and I feel like it, like when you have several sessions back to back, it can like at the end of the at the end of the day, you you do feel drained. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, like when I'm done with the full day of sessions, and like one of my kids comes to talk to me, and I'm like, I'm tapped out oh, right enough. now.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs>
3: give me yeah. give me a little bit of a break, because like you're giving you're holding space for so many people, and they're coming to talk to you. Um, and it, some some sessions are very emotionally intense and like you have these boundaries right you're, you're the therapist but you're also human so like you're, you're taking some of that um so like after after sessions I'm like I just need a moment to do nothing mm-hmm. not talk to anyone not think just be
2: and you have to have like a level of empathy right absolutely to, to yeah. be even in this field so yeah, yeah. in a way I, the way I kind of see is like that's kind of like a double-edged sword because mm at times that empathy can allow for you to like feel like very emotionally about like what's going on and mm. like the, the sessions that you're having it can get to you because yeah. you have that empathy you feel bad you yeah. feel the yeah. stress for like the people that you're trying to help mm-hmm. but that empathy is necessary for you to do your job so a lot of kudos to you I personally I would have a tough time doing that because mm-hmm. um, I feel like it would just get to me Like, I, I'm, I, I very much like want to just help people I would yeah. be like if somebody was like, yeah, like, for example, like, oh, I'm in like an abusive relationship mm. or I'm dealing with this. It's like a physical thing. I like to fix things. So yeah, I would be yeah. like a vigilante therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I would go out and beat up their abuser. <laughs> I was just like, bro, 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 kick them in the face. <laughs> and then they would come the next day and be like, my problem is so not there yeah. anymore. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what happened? I don't know. So it's that's that's very that's very interesting um, so another question that I had um, mm-hmm. was it, this is something that now obviously like you said earlier mm-hmm. it's changing Alhamdulillah mm-hmm. but it's it's a field and it's a topic and it's a, sort of a, an idea that isn't talked about enough in our community mm-hmm. and something that a lot of people go back to is like there isn't a word within the Somali community for mm-hmm. a mental illness right mm-hmm. it's like the closest you get to it is Wali or
0: like yeah, yeah. you know what
2: I mean so yeah um how do you how do you like navigate that um especially like i I, again confidentiality but i would imagine you have a lot of Somali clients Mm -hmm. um so how do you navigate that in in terms of like um you know the cultural aspect of like understanding oh okay i get it like this person culturally within their dynamics of their culture like they don't even think this is like a real Mm, thing not mm-hmm. obviously not also my people but yeah like, yeah you know we have that we have that kind of issue mm-hmm. um and how important is it for us as a community to like talk about mental health mm-hmm. and mental illness more
3: yeah so that's a really good question um and i remember when i was first starting out and i would tell people like oh i'm a therapist mm-hmm. and then the older older generation would be like oh this uh-huh, like yeah. it's a dangerous field and i'm like no that's not it it's, it's a very it's an office like it's a yeah. recession um but there there's that discrepancy between what it actually is um and a lot of the somali clients that i do see have that understanding so like mm-hmm. they're seeking me out mm-hmm. so there's that like knowledge of like i want to work on my mental health um, and by working with a therapist that you have like a shared identity, they can talk about things in a way that makes sense to you versus someone that maybe doesn't understand like the cultural nuances that might tell you, oh, like just cut that person off. And you're like, I can't like, yeah. it's not that easy. That's going to cause me more distress. So I feel like that helps. And I think talking about mental health, I, I feel like sometimes when we talk about mental health, we talk about mental illness and not everyone has a mental illness, but everyone has mental health, Right. So just like we all have physical health. So I like to come at it from a way of like talking about like the different factors that, um, impact mental health. So like relationship health can be one, like how, how are your friendships? How are like the parent child relationship? Cause that can impact that, that can impact how you feel. Um, communication. How are we communicating? Cause that can impact your emotions as well. So coming at it from a way that's like more acceptable, I think is a way to start like, um, Breaking down those walls and that misunderstanding. Yeah.
2: So on this show, um, whenever we have um, someone that in in any way can practically help improve our viewers' lives, um, I I very much like to like give our viewers like action items, like mm-hmm. things that they can do. For example, um, to, to to better their dean, things that they can do to for them to become more financially stable, like we did with ASEA. Um So like you don't have to go crazy in depth, um, but what are practical ways that our viewers can um, improve their mental health mm-hmm. right very simple very quick like easy little things that they can do cuz like for me i know that when i first started therapy i had like a lot of aha moments mm-hmm. like i was like i can do that i can take a day off i didn't, yeah, I didn't even yeah. know <laughs> that right cuz yeah. like cuz you you go through things in life and mm-hmm. you experience things in life and you live a certain way that like you start to do things and you get you get into like a rhythm mm-hmm. and like You're taught things as a kid. So like everybody has their own life experience that would Mm. in a way kind of just like keep them away from finding out about or knowing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. ways, very practical, easy ways for them to take care of themselves and their mental health. Um, So yeah, so what are easy, practical ways um, for our viewers to improve their mental health?
3: Yeah, so like I said, everybody has mental health. Um, And the way that like I like to go about it is go back to the basics. So like, are you getting enough sleep? Because sleep impacts your mood. Um, and a lot of the times, especially like college-age students, like they're pulling a lot of all-nighters, or not sleeping well, and that impacts how you feel. Um, are you eating? Sometimes you get so busy that you skip meals. Um, so making sure that you're like nourishing your body, you're taking care of your body, um, incorporating movement, going for walks, um, staying hydrated. Like these are all like basics, but they really impact your mood. So making sure that you're sleeping enough, you're staying hydrated, you're eating enough. Um, and like you said, taking time off. Um, we're in this society that like encourages you to be on the go. And it's so important to just take time off, um, whether it's to do nothing, whether it's to do something that you enjoy, uh, making sure that you are making time for yourself. Because a lot of times we're not making time for ourselves. Um, and for like any Anybody with kids, it's, it's really important to, to make that time for yourself because it impacts how you show up for your children. Um, and that's like another area of interest of mine is like that parent-child relationship and how are we like raising the next generation and how are we like making sure that they have like a solid mental health that you know we're not repeating patterns maybe that um, are not so great from like our own upbringing. What are we doing to, to check in um, and make sure that we're supporting them? So, I know that's like going off of the question that, that, is, that you, you know, said, that but... That is wonderful.
2: That's an amazing question. answer. Yeah. yeah, And that last point that you had, I think about that a lot. Because I feel like our parents, first of all, mashallah, did an incredible job. Mashallah, yeah. Um, yeah. For the situation that they had and what they were going through. Mm-hmm. They, they did an amazing, amazing job. Um, but they also inadvertently, like, gave us a lot of issues mm-hmm. growing up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, when you get older... You have a lot of these things that you deal with that that comes from just the way that you were raised. Yeah. And like, um, I don't necessarily like I don't like using the word blame mm. or like mm. saying that or it's their fault or whatever yeah. it may be, but those things are there and mm-hmm. those things are evident and like we understand where it came from. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think about that a lot of like, okay, well, what steps can I take so that like I don't do the same thing to my kids and not mm. only the same thing, but like how can I be a parent who is there, who's mm-hmm. present, who's helpful, um, but is also like encouraging and, and mm-hmm. like a friend to my kid. Like that. Mm-hmm. there's a balance to that as well. Like, okay, well, mm-hmm. you can't just be like, you can't like your kids like just walk all over you and do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. But you also can't be like a tyrant. You know what I mean? So you got to find that that middle ground. And alhamdulillah, like just our situations, uh, like just being educated, having higher mm-hmm. salaries, not really struggling much. You have the luxury of doing that, you know. Yeah, yeah, You don't you don't have to like you know discipline your kids um for survival sakes, you mm-hmm, know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that that is that is really important. Um and, and very dope, mashallah. Um so another question that I had um is his uh his faith and mental health. Mm. Right? Yeah. Um so we obviously know that like within our culture, um, especially back home, if somebody's dealing with with some sort of mental health mm. um issue or mental illness um oh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. then they just he probably does maybe mm. there's, there's an off chance that he probably does um <laughs> um but you can't necessarily like neglect <laughs> the the, yeah. the science aspect Behind of it, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and what's really interesting is like and and chowder a friend of ours talks about this a lot but like it's, you don't have to have one without the other. Mm-hmm. Our dean really does this.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Instead mm-hmm. of a lot of like, no science, slam, yeah. slam, no science. Like, our dean is a very scientific,
0: mm-hmm. like, like mm-hmm.
2: religion, and it's a very science-based religion. But, the um, f- uh, first thing I wanted to know is like, how much does your dean have an effect on your practice? And just like, how you interact with, mm. with clients? And should it, should it have a role in there as well?
3: Yeah. So, answering this in a way that like i'm talking like my client is a muslim client right because yeah. obviously i wouldn't my yeah. faith wouldn't yeah it wouldn't, it wouldn't matter um,
2: if, if dude is a christian yeah. yeah
3: yeah so i'm very hesitant on i take the client's lead essentially mm-hmm. um because you don't know someone's background with yeah. with the faith um and a lot of the times as we know sometimes the faith is used um to minimize someone's struggles or like you know um, the things that they're dealing with. So if someone is coming with that, I don't also want to add on to that yeah. Um, so if a client is like you know willing to to incorporate faith, i don't I don't mind because one of the things that we look at as therapists is like, what do you have already that we can use to sort of strengthen you or like what are what are some of the traits that you have? and faith is is one. Um, so if I can incorporate that in sessions, I absolutely will. But again, I take the clients. The clients lead on that.
2: So, with that, with that being said, um, how much do they actually for for Muslim clients for Muslims in general?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: How how much do they actually go hand in hand? Which is like, oh, p- for me personally, my my faith has a huge impact mm-hmm. on my mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, as I got older, I realized that there was that that correlation, mm-hmm. uh, like a direct correlation. Like if I'm, for example. And like, obviously to each their own, but if I'm missing prayers, yeah. for example, that, mm-hmm. that, it drains me. I, I don't feel like myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that as well, there's a lot of other things like, you're right, like growing up, um, for me personally, the deen kind of was used to justify my mm-hmm. struggles or the things that I would do, I was dealing with, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so I, that, that created a barrier. I kind of had to get over that barrier mm-hmm. and I kind of like reconnect with myself in a yeah, lot, you know? Yeah. So there's a lot of that dynamic, but um yeah i think it's a beautiful i think it's a very very beautiful thing and like i feel like a lot of young somali youth are doing that right now is like they're realizing that oh okay well i want to i want my mental health to be good Mm -hmm. you know i feel like there Mm -hmm. is a renaissance in that like Mm -hmm. a lot of people are focusing on their mental health and then that's coming hand in hand with like them focusing on their deen as Mm -hmm. well they're slowly realizing like this these two things kind of go together and go hand in hand but Mm -hmm. um for you, how how does that how does that dynamic work, and how is that how is that going?
3: Yeah, so for, similar to you, I also like when whenever my eman is slacking, I notice I'm more anxious or like you know my ment- uh, my mental health takes a hit. Um, and in sessions, um, you can see like some clients um, who may be struggling with certain things. When the faith is incorporated, it's like okay, like there's a solace in that, there's a comfort in that. In knowing that yes, things may be difficult right now, but like it's not always gonna be this way, or like I may feel alone in this moment, mm-hmm. but Allah is with me. Like there's a solace in incorporating the faith. Um, and I think what when people have like that connection between, oh, my mental health and my spiritual health are connected, um it can serve as like a resil like a source of resilience. Mm-hmm. Um and I think like you said a lot of people are like reclaiming the faith or like reconnecting with the faith like everyone has a different journey with with the dean um and just as they're like they're figuring out their identity they're also figuring out like where how do i connect with with this religion that maybe was taught to me in a way that wasn't the best or like wasn't the most helpful um and how can i find comfort in it like i'm struggling life is hard um and that's that's a given right um we're going to have ups and downs so how how can my faith sort of serve as like uh, a source of strength for me. And that's, that's the approach that I try to take in sessions of like, okay, how can we incorporate the faith to be able to give you hope to, to, to push forward.
1: That's pretty crazy. I did have one question though. And it's, I guess it's pivoting towards COVID. Mm. A lot has changed. The world is like a lot different. Yeah. Has the percentage of people that go to therapy or have heard of therapy increased since COVID or has that dynamic changed?
3: It's it's increased. Um, a lot more people are seeking therapy, especially now that it's like telehealth. Telehealth wasn't always an option. Mm-hmm. But once the pandemic started, then it became more accessible.
1: Um, I'm ignorant to that. What is telehealth?
3: Oh, like doing sessions virtually versus oh, in person.
1: I, wait, that's possible?
3: Now, now I it is. How do you even know that. Yeah.
1: How effective is it compared to like
3: Um, I'm not going to lie. I like in-person sessions. Um, it's just like you're, you're in the same space with the client. There's like some cues that you might miss when you're like virtually, virtually. sometimes the connection cannot be so great. And then like it glitches and maybe the client shared something something important and you miss something. Um, so I really prefer in person, but I like that, that people have the option for virtual now because now a lot of people maybe who didn't live so close to the cities or like you know now can seek therapy very uh very easily
1: i don't know i feel like covid changed so
2: much you know what covid did it it um it took away people's distractions
0: mm. That that's true and too it,
2: yeah i think people had it to sit just, down in a room it, for a little bit it took them and and everything that they're dealing with it is just locked them in her room. Except <laughs> and, think about it. And and that's all like, you can do. And, and then yeah. COVID was like, oh, you think you straight, huh? <laughs> you think you high, and, huh? And then you fucked up like everybody else. And then I feel like that's what everybody was like. Oh shit! Like I yeah. need help. Yeah. Cause like this is hard, you know. But like for some people, they would just distract themselves with work and school, yeah, work and school. Come home, sleep, work, school. Come home, sleep. You know. So. Bro, but I feel like when you're when you worry about actual food.
1: And water. Mm. And like feeding your kids. Mm. Like mental health is. I don't,
2: at that point it has to that's be a, like. That's a great question. Third or fourth. I don't know if you would know this. But like. Does yeah. the brain. Put your. Like your mental. Like into a back burner. When you go into survival mode. Because I feel like. My parents like. At a time in their lives. Now they're good. Now they're chilling. But now they're like, chilling. <laughs> they, yeah now they're chilling. They're kicking it out. But <laughs> when they were younger. Like they were in survival mode. Mm-hmm. Like I'm talking about like food water Mm -hmm. shelter safety does your brain just go like oh anxiety no push it to the back and Mm. then go 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 or like is it something that just is are they just like are these somali old heads just superheroes and they don't deal with this shit that's all it has to be one or the other that's a great question Mm
3: -hmm. i think i think the survival comes first right and that's that's the approach that i like to look at it like when i'm looking at like our parents generation they're trying to survive in a new country. Mm-hmm. Um, they're working jobs that maybe, you know, don't have the greatest shifts. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're raising children, they're dealing with systems that they don't speak the language like the language of, or like they don't really understand how uh, these systems work. So to tell someone like that, hey, you should go talk to somebody, like you're dealing with a lot, go, yeah. go sit with someone. Um, and most times it's someone that's like younger than them and they're like, like what? Like it doesn't, it doesn't connect. It doesn't
1: connect. Um, and pay them too. Yo.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: like, you know what? This is <laughs> that you know, like, aspect is like crazy to them. Like yo. Like you want me? To- you know what? This is reminding me of everything.
2: <laughs> everything in my head has a movie reference. <laughs> um But a there's a reference. there's a movie called "Beasts of No Nation," Um and it's about child soldiers. It, mm-hmm. it was like it's like in 2016. Remember in 2016 when no black people went to the Oscars because like there was no black. Anything that got like nominated for the Oscars. Oh, remember okay. that? So they got snubbed for like best picture. Mm.
0: Like, in
2: my opinion, it was the best movie to come out in 2016. Okay. Um, but it's about child soldiers. Mm. And it follows um, this young man named Agu. Who's a child soldier. And like his life and his mm. experience. And like it's crazy. And Idris Elba is in it. and okay. like, He goes through just the most like incredible things. In a span of like eight months. Right, and then he gets rescued, and he and I don't want to ruin it, but like he, a lot of stuff happens, but at the end, mm-hmm. there's a therapist. And she's she's talking to him, and she's trying to help him. Yeah, um, and like he's he's just at the end of it, he's just staring in her eyes, and he goes, uh, and this this is kind of reminded me of mm-hmm. like how our parents thought as well. Is like, he goes, this lady is speaking to me as if I am a child,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but I am not a child. I'm a grown man. I have seen more than she's seen. Yeah more than anyone has seen you know so like at the end of the movie he's kind of like kind of like breaking down how much he's changed from when he was first a kid and like you see the beginning of the movie is very bubbly he's just like they're selling like a tv that has no screen to soldiers <laughs> and it's like a lot of fun you know it's kids being kids and in eight months because of what he experienced at the end of it He's just like he's just so hardened that he's mm. like, oh, like this lady's talking to me as if I'm a child, and he is a child. He's like twelve years old.
0: Yeah.
2: He's like, no, I'm an old man. Yes. I've I've seen it all. I've done it all. You know. So. Yeah. Experiences and environments have a huge effect on
3: people. Absolutely, yeah. And their
2: characters.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I I know but like, just look at us, though. I mean, yeah. right now, I, I'm 26. At 26, my dad came here after everything they went through and had yeah. me. Him at
2: 26 versus me at 26. Two black, completely- Black and white. Completely different people. Black, when yeah. I, bro, you have no idea. My dad is like a superhero in my eyes. Because at like 21, 22. First of all, this guy is like, he's crippled from the waist down. So he's doing all of this with a disability. Mm. Mm-hmm. This guy was running businesses, feeding his entire family, you know, traveling the world. He's been to like multiple continents, mm-hmm. educated- Seen war, seen death, seen all these things at like 21, 22 mm-hmm. years old. So like when he came to America at like
0: 26, 27,
2: he's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's their <laughs> favorite <famous> thing. <saying. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, you ain't walk
1: nowhere, man. Stop. Dude. There's one, one crazy thing that I heard. I forgot who it was. Shh. Damn, if I remember her name, I'm going to have to say it out loud because it's a crazy shout out. But we're having a conversation. And the conversation was, she said, being Somali and African-American in the inner city mm. is more was is more traumatic mm. than what our parents were going through back home. Not with the war aspect, but just mm. being grown up. Were you there when we had those that conversation? Yeah. So like more traumatic. Were you, were you? Wait, who said it? No, I was not there. More traumatic in a sense It's just like, being in Somalia as when they're growing up before Kahi, right? They like are around like-minded people, oh, around okay. their people. It before Kahi. It, you know what, what I'm saying? Yeah. And then compared to how we grew up, yeah. like, yeah. like yeah. financially and all this. It was different. It was very different. And so I was, was like, when I different. when she said that, I was like, oh, and, I never even we thought were, of it. Like, we were that. talking yeah. about this
2: earlier though, yeah. too, when we first started, is like they were and still are very cemented and concrete in their identity. Yeah, absolutely. that was established because they grew up in a homogenous environment where everybody's mm. Somali. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that, there's no like they don't you have to, they don't have to deal with race, they don't have to deal with skin mm-hmm. color. It's just everybody's yeah. Somali. Mm-hmm. Somali. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Everything else is based on s- just you and your character. You know, mm-hmm. there is хабиалат, mm-hmm. but like I feel like at times too that is like blown out of proportion. Really, yeah. it's not like yeah. you know crazy things were happening, but. Obviously Kahi was Kahi. Like
0: yeah, yeah. that's
2: no joke. Like yeah. they've seen it all then. But like, of course, compared to us, who are like, bro, I you're just confused. You're yeah. really conf- that's what it boils down to. It's mm-hmm. just confusion. And like, and like what I dealt with a lot myself was like just wanting to belong mm-hmm.
0: to something. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, and wanting to be a part of something. Mm-hmm. So bad. Because you're like, well. First of all I'm not like any of the kids that grew up here because I wasn't born here mm. I spent a portion of my life somewhere else
0: yeah
2: I'm not like the black kids because well i'm I'm, I'm different you know yeah. what I mean
0: yeah
2: oh I'm not it's just you're just not like anything and then it's just you and then we talked about mm. well you know it, you become your own identity you create yeah. your own yeah. identity
3: absolutely and that um, has
2: an effect on it and,
1: growing up was so interesting for me though regarding that because uh, when it, before oh yeah b- before third fourth grade I'm to very down school, mm. like I was the only black kid. Wow! Right, so it was just in a sense, just damn, like you are very black. So I wasn't white enough, right? Mm. Then I transferred to international,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is majority Somali school. Okay, from at like from fourth to seventh grade,
3: majority
2: oh. ninety nine point nine percent Somali.
1: Yeah, like like the ninety nine. I yeah. think it might have been hundred at some years yeah. too. Yeah, that was a culture shock in a sense. It's just like yo the teachers aren't somali the teachers are mm-hmm. adan or whatever but the kids have this dynamic of just like yo we can use we can use somali as like with violence you know yeah. and this is just yeah. like yo this teacher doesn't know what we're, and It felt like on steroids for yeah. a moment, right? <laughs> the aspect that's really interesting to me was was the fact that with we were all somali but yet there are kids who Whose identity was like, yo, I'm uh, listening to Lil Durk and them, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's the people who are into Korean, K drama and stuff, right? There's the athletes, right? There's the quote unquote nerds, right? Mm -hmm. But it was so crazy how, like, yo, your identity was what you liked. Mm. Mm. Then I went to, like, in eighth grade, I went, like, when I came back in ninth grade, eighth grade, I went to a very, like, middle school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they saw me as really Adan. Yeah. And that's coming back from Africa where they saw me as just, like, yo, you're a black man You're from America. America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, bro, I'm telling you, at ninth grade, I did not know who I was. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was just trying to fit like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think, like, looking back at it, inshallah, when I do have kids, like, I want to, like, reassure my kids, like, yo, like, I went through what y'all went through. Like,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there is a
1: home. You know what I mean? Like, the home is inside,
2: like, where, our home. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because when, like, when I was younger, I wanted a home so bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I have a question. So, you're studying kind of and if you don't know the answer to this okay it's perfectly fine i don't want to i don't want to make you feel like um but you're studying you're studying family dynamics Mm -hmm. Mm um how how much can what we're talking about in like oh not having an identity not necessarily understanding Mm -hmm. um where you belong how much of that can be alleviated by the family dynamic, by the way the parents interact with the kids, the yeah. kids interact with each other. Mm-hmm. Is that even possible?
3: Yeah, yeah. So it is possible. So like the identity, figuring out who you are, that's what's considered like a normal developmental process. Cause like once you start hitting like the teenage years, you're like not as connected to your parents. Like you're sort of figuring out who you are. You're doing activities like outside of your parents around that time, right? Um, and then once—but then for, for those of us who have, like, the, like, bicultural, like, Somali-American mm-hmm. um, identity, having parents who can help with that yeah. is helpful. Um, and there's a role that parents play despite, like, their cultural background and like, socializing um, their children to their culture. So, like, Somali parents would socialize um, their Somali children to, like— cultural stories or like the language or like you know sort of being that bridge to that child to the culture Um, and doing it in a way that like doesn't take away from like their American identity which is also a very prominent um, part of their identity Mm -hmm. and I feel like a lot of parents discount that yeah it's like it doesn't like you're not American even though you're born here and this is all you know that's not you and it's
2: kind of unfair because it's almost like debilitating because you're like well how do I survive in this outside world yeah. without knowing and understanding my American no. identity and cultivating my American identity? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I can't just throw this away and live in America. Mm-hmm.
0: Just, I can't do
2: it. It's not possible. Yeah. Um, wow, that is that is very interesting. I just have like a lot to think about <laughs> right now. Um, a therapy session would be great, right? Yeah. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm joking. but um yeah, so inshallah. So then that then moves on to like are Somai people just the only ones dealing with this kind mm-hmm. of identity crisis? Is that unique to our community? Because I yeah. feel like we do that a lot. Where something happens in the Somai community, and yeah. then we're like, we're the only ones dealing with
0: it. Yeah,
2: we're yeah. the only like, not I wouldn't say messed up because, <laughs> as you're gonna answer, I, I kind of already I'm asking like a yeah. rhetorical question.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> we're really not the only ones that are no, that no. are dealing with this issue.
3: Yeah, yeah, you no. Know, so there are like other other immigrant communities like. Um, Asian-Americans, Latinx, like all of those other backgrounds are also like their children are also navigating two cultures. Um, And depending on which generation your parents came impacts how helpful they can be, right? Mm -hmm. So if your parent just came and they're surviving, there's no way that they're going to be able to help you navigate the American identity Mm -hmm. versus if your parent is like second generation, third generation, then obviously they navigated it so they can can help help you with that. Yeah. uh,
2: so going then full circle back to where we kind of started our conversation, mm. a lot of parents are t- terrified and I don't blame them mm-hmm. of helping their child navigate this. Or they feel like I can't help my child navigate mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. So they then revert back to, to Dha'alis. Yeah. So for the viewers who don't know what Dakhna Alice is, is when um a child is taken from where they live here in America, mm-hmm. let it be Atlanta or Wisconsin, Ohio, Minnesota. Ohio's not really a, a real place. <laughs> that doesn't really count. But Everywhere else. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then they get taken back to Somalia. Yeah. Um, and they go through, you know, learning their culture, learning their mm-hmm. religion very, very, very deeply. And yeah. Like, um, you know, meeting their family back home and all these different things. Mm-hmm. How effective is that, would you say?
3: Mm. So, I, I'm i going to research it, Inshallah, but yeah. from like what I've seen right now in the research... Um, there's a way that it can be done that can be helpful, right? It's not bad to want to reconnect your child to the culture um, that that serves as a strength, but doing it in a way that's like not traumatic in a way that like um, is loving, that is, you know, that helps them connect, that builds that love of the culture um, versus doing it in a way that like disconnects them, which we're sort of talking about earlier. So it starts out with, like, the int- like the intention. So, like, wanting to connect your child to the culture. And then what's the process? Like, how do you do it? And are you doing it in a way that facilitates that love and connection to the culture? Or are you doing it in a way that's sort of, like, forceful? There's not really a lot of communication around it. Um, and they're sort of, like, dropped off yeah. and then left there.
2: There's a lot of that, too. There of is. Just, like, leaving the kid there. Yeah. And you're not really there. Yeah. Um, that That would be difficult to... It's oh, it's good now. It was like echoing. Oh, is it echoing now? No. Hello. Hi. What did you do, Hamza? Gosh, you just like messed the whole thing up. We were vibing here, and then you showed up. Right? We should, we should just kick him out. No,
0: no, he's good. Tell him
2: to go
1: home. I be getting bullied here. I need I need therapy. I'm not. I need, I need therapy. <laughs> Everybody needs therapy. Would yeah, you say that? Yeah, Everybody? Does Everybody Everyone. Can... Do you think everyone needs therapy?
3: Everyone could benefit from therapy. Mm-hmm. Having mm-hmm. someone to talk to that's outside of your family and friends and just having a space that's for you to just focus on yourself, I think, could be very okay, beneficial. Okay, the cost
1: of therapy without insurance.
3: That's that's very hard. Um, how Yeah.
1: does someone go and get therapy if they don't have the coins for it?
3: Mm. That's one of the things that makes it inaccessible. Is the cost rate. So there are some clinics that do like sliding fee um, sessions. like Or they like use a sliding fee scale. Um,
2: What does that mean, sliding fee?
3: So like they'll look at your income and then base the cost off of that. So very cheap sessions. Um, And then there's also like for college students, usually... For those
1: cheap, are they like... Is it it relative to like the cheaper... Yeah, the session is the less quality it is no, oh, no, no, or is no, it like no it's just i have to ask the question do, right? yeah yeah because it's like based question. off of how much someone pays
0: yeah
1: is
2: the quality of that session better damn that means poor people how you doing good I right, nigga go uh, yo, no. just keep on moving right, they'll be like oh um, i'm dealing with this suck it up nigga no. <laughs> you cannot afford yeah, that yeah, no, i don't happiness. think they're doing no, no no they're
3: not doing that that would be unethical yeah, no, no no so it's, it's just relative to your income so okay um, and then for college students, college campuses usually have like a counseling center oh yeah, and your student fees are already paying for that, so you might as well take advantage of it because it's free for you because you're already paying as a part of that.
1: Somebody told me this when I was going to college.
2: <laughs> oh, I have a question. so I felt like this at a time in my life as well. Um, but for the people who feel like they're just they're they're too far gone to get help mm. right they're as they would say like too messed up mm-hmm. they're. They're dealing with just like too much anxiety too much depression mm. to the point where like it's like a part of their bones like they're mm. like oh yeah this is like normal to me um and they feel like oh well like i'm i'm just it's 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 just so much that i oh what, what's the point of mm. me seeking help and reaching out um what would you what would you say to that what how would you encourage because i i already know there's going to be people watching this right now that are dealing with so much already and mm-hmm. they're, they're experiencing so much and you know they're down in the dumps and they're like well uh, there's no point like mm-hmm. i'm already here you know yeah. um could they be helped um should they seek help um what would you what would you say to that
3: yeah absolutely they can be helped um and i think when you're in a place like that like it can feel very overwhelming to think about like the potential of it getting better because this is how it's been for so long you've been in this low place um but going and talking to someone, um, or even seeking medication, if that's the route that they take. Um, the fact that like you're trying something else and you're doing something else has that, um, the potential to, to feel relief in whatever capacity it may be. Um, it may be that like out of the week, maybe three days are, are better than before. Or, um, it may be that every two weeks you feel like a low mood. So I think going and seeing someone provides you with like another option versus right now, you're not seeing anybody. Right now it's in a very low place. There's no change. So add, try something different and it can be difficult. I'm not gonna discount that, um, to go and open up to somebody and to, to even have that hope that it could be better. Um, but I'd encourage people to to try um, and, and seek that out.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and then also, Um, being vocal about that I think that's very important I think that's why in a way I I started being vocal about my battle with it because I was that kid at a time of like oh there's it's just me dealing with this Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. nobody that looks like me that is like me that's dealing with things like this but you know if if just me saying like you know I I deal with Mm -hmm. what you're dealing with as well on this just this one episode yeah that can maybe inspire a kid somewhere to be like you know what if if he can do it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. If he can go out and seek help and have the courage to do that, um, you know, I, I, I feel like I can do it as well. Um, so I think that's why it was just so important for us to to, to bring you on the show yeah. um, and for us to have that conversation um, because normalizing it is very important. Absolutely. Talking yeah. about it is very important. Um, and inshallah, if, uh, if uh, old boy Biden comes through, you can make it very accessible as I well. I hope so. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm sure that there are resources out there for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's like really bad, there is a suicide hotline. Yeah. Um.
0: Yeah. There's a
2: not only a suicide hotline, but a lot, a lot of other hotlines as well that you can call, um, and just speak to somebody over the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're dealing with things that just kind of alleviate some of that pain. Mm-hmm. Um. So.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. I think I think talking about it is is a good first step in normalizing it. Because um, it is something that, like, in the American society as a whole, it's very stigmatized. And then our culture, like, stigmatizes it even more. And it's like, hush, hush. Like, you don't tell people you're struggling. Um, but a lot of people are struggling. Like, life is hard right now for a lot of people. So talking about it is a good first step. And, like, you're not the only one that's dealing with this. I
1: don't know. I When I was younger, I wish there's people are, like, our age, our current age, mm-hmm. speaking out how we're speaking out. Yeah. and At least having that yeah. conversation. Yeah. And not, like... In a sense, it's just even if they would have said in Somali, it would have been different. Mm. But like saying in English yeah. without an accent, because I don't know a lie. Like I feel like I was in. <laughs> he the, said the like, accent is not <laughs> clicking. Yeah. The was not clicking. Yeah. But it was also the fact that just growing up, I feel like because I, I like there wasn't a lot of people that are older than me. I'm 26 mm. in, Minneapolis wow. right? <laughs> in Minneapolis specifically, right? In Minneapolis yeah. specifically, like we've like 26, 27 is usually the oldest person that was born here. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like we were figuring it out. Because mm-hmm. everyone older than me, like 28, 29, wasn't born here. So they didn't yeah. have that, like, there was that missing connection. It's just like, damn, mm-hmm. you didn't watch Spongebob? That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> and then the people that are younger than me didn't have that, damn, like, what do you mean there's nobody older than you that doesn't speak English? You're here. You know, and yeah, I'm like, my younger yeah. siblings have that. Like, what did you do?
3: Exactly, exactly. So
1: I'm just glad that we can at least get this on camera mm-hmm. so
3: yeah.
1: that there's some kid that's out there thinking, damn, like, nobody understands. You're like, bro,
0: mm-hmm. I'm not
1: going to lie to you i understand you
0: mm-hmm. they don't even mm-hmm. understand
1: you i understand you yeah. and it's hard but if you just keep pushing and while i and like actually mm. work on yourself
0: mm-hmm. and i feel
1: like it's hard to like work on yourself when you're younger because mm. you're trying to work with everyone else yeah like you look you're looking at the little kids like what they're doing when you try to do what they're doing and they just don't accept you for who you are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. bro i've been there
2: hit me up you got my instagram i'll, <laughs> I'll respond i got you 100% yeah. Oh yeah 100% That is very important You have Hey You gotta this, I don't know how How open you are to that But I am very Yo, open. Well, hit me up in the DMs Anybody that's like Yo, like I'm dealing with this mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. Also I'm not a licensed therapist So Yeah, I'm not we are just talking so, uh, about like Computer science Seek though. help, of course yeah, Because like yeah. Don't I don't want to like Replace that Because mm-hmm. She's a professional She went through a lot of school To know how to do this And like to do this job And they're damn good at it So Go to them for that, but like if you just want to reach out and like talk to somebody and like deconstruct it, or you have questions about therapy, you're like, well, what is therapy like? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. What what's therapy like for you as like a Somai boy who like went through it? Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you all about that, man. Um, we can we can do that. So that would be a lot <laughs> of said. Fun. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Got you. Come That's through. Good. <laughs> come so we through. have, and it's getting
1: late. We were kind of yeah. late, and I have to apologize. Okay, no that. Yeah, sorry. We about usually that. Um, at the end of every single episode. Mm-hmm tell the guests that hey inshallah in one year Mm -hmm. we will be in a completely different place inshallah Inshallah. we're working towards bigger and greater things as well right inshallah Inshallah. that's awesome and we'd love to have you back on in a year yeah
3: we'd love to have dr 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 yeah dr inshallah. Inshallah.
1: my one question is Mm -hmm. is in one year other than being a doctor inshallah yeah where do you see yourself oh
3: wow I think right now that's that's the that's, the that's, that's my eyes on the prize. That's yeah. it. <laughs> doing this research and then writing out this dissertation. Inshallah, I very
2: then... much want to read that dissertation. Yeah, no no pressure. <laughs> like, now I'm just invested. I'm like, I want to read that. Yeah, I've never read a dissertation. This is, the, this is going to be the first one this I
3: read. The, I'm honored. Yeah.
2: yeah. So that's just that's, that's the main so I, focus right now. Yeah. That's that's, that's respectable. Prize. That's commendable. Yeah. Anything yeah. 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 Masha- yeah, else go? No, um that up? was uh, that was a beautiful, beautiful episode. I I really I look forward to to everybody watching this. Um oh, it's different. I have like fifty other questions, but like <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But that's how it is. That's here, how yeah, it always yeah. is. That's why we I like that we invite people like back that. because we start the episode and like we're kinda like, Well, what's gonna what's gonna happen? How are we gonna get into this? Page mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. and then we get into our groove yeah. and then we realize, yo, it's kinda been like an hour and a half, <laughs> we gotta end it, but then like as at that point, like that we like, figure the dynamic out to like, yeah. yo, I have so many more questions I have right now. Like ten yeah. more about questions. Kind of yeah. I yeah. have ten. So many questions. But yeah. thank you so much for coming on the okay. show. Can I ask
3: you guys a question? Whoa! Because this is like my, my research mind is like okay, okay. I want to. So like, oh what God. would you say your like your experiences have been growing up? Because you guys are, I feel like we can say even though like we are all different ages, mm-hmm. like we're sort of like you said. Um the first generation after our parents to sort of build a life here, like without having to Mm -hmm. um, leave our country and and all of that, right? Um, And a lot of the research says like Somali immigrants are like the triple threat, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's racism because you're black, Mm -hmm. there's Islamophobia because you're Muslim, and then there is um, yeah the immigrant, so the xenophobia. Um, How would you say it was for you growing up?
2: Nose goes. <laughs> oh, that was smooth.
1: I think I said it in the like the beginning of the episode. I didn't know who I was yeah. for a very long time, mm-hmm. and I think me not knowing that growing up mm-hmm. put me in a position where like I had to try a bunch of new stuff. Yeah. So I don't know. It was like a double edged sword where it's just like, yo, I went to really Adan school. Yo, you're the token black guy.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? Mm-hmm. That's what you do. So all I ended up doing was listening to a lot of. African American music Right mm-hmm. And then when I went to A lot of Somali kids School and I was like Yo You seem a little Adam My guy I was like damn I might as well listen To start rock and country <laughs> Which is pretty nice I'm not gonna lie Rock country and country Country music,
2: country music? Elite, <laughs> Elite.
1: <laughs> But I think I think my biggest And strongest pillar Will lies my dad mm. Oh yeah Cause Alhamdulillah Like he's currently Getting his PhD right now
0: Mashallah. And like okay. he just
1: Submitted his dissertation Oh wow it was in leadership Somalis okay. Somalia. Okay. was like okay. the education Back home Yeah yeah and so like the dynamic of having a father who had letter grades, mm. there was that like there was no like, yo, what is this C. It was like, yo, mm. you gotta say, how the hell did you get a C? Yeah you know what I mean? Like <laughs> <laughs> what's going on? Like I went through schooling and yeah. then my mom on the other hand was very much so, yo, I a Somali bana Yeah.
0: Yeah. And my
1: dad was very much so, nin marinakai. Mm. So like I saw that in them. So growing up, like I would sort of sway and teeter towards who I was, but at the end of the day, Hoya had Hoya, like the crib down. Mm-hmm. And my dad, it felt like, seemed like
2: he had the outside world figured out sort of for yeah. us. So, yeah. alhamdulillah. Oh, man. <laughs> um, for me, and I and I realized this when I after I graduated. Mm-hmm. I would say I'm like the embodiment of the African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child. Mm-hmm. That's me. Mm-hmm. Growing <laughs> up, when I was a kid, when I was younger, like, between the ages when I was, like, very young to, like, almost six years old, I was, like, just, like, because both my parents came to the country before I did. So, mm-hmm. I both my grandparents raised me. Both my aunts raised me. I bounced around back and forth from Somalia to Ethiopia, mm-hmm. Somalia to Ethiopia. But I, I grew up around a lot of family mm-hmm. Um, at first. But when I came to America and I was around my mom and my dad for the first time, again, it was just constantly surrounded by family. But... Where I came and where I grew up is my blood and bones. Mm. That The community that raised me, the City Riverside community that raised me instilled values in me, instilled mm-hmm. things in me that alleviated a lot of that like confusion. Mm. So I was kind of the opposite of him
0: mm-hmm.
2: because I knew exactly who I was. I just didn't know where I fit in
0: mm-hmm.
2: and where I belonged. My identity, my self-identity was concrete. My dad... An incredible job of like teaching me about Somali history and making me proud, very proud of like my mm-hmm. Somali ancestry um, and my Somali heritage. And growing up in Somalia for a time, yeah. I had the images mm-hmm. to back that up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom instilled just like those hard working values mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just like the, that relentless Madhadig of Somali mm-hmm. people of like, I'm gonna do it. She got her education, she got mm-hmm. education, she got her GED higher education while pregnant with like twins. Wow. She's like taking Allah. the bus, she's mm-hmm. t- dropping us off at practice, picking us up. So I was very observant of that. Mm-hmm. The community that I lived in was so vibrant with culture, with nahan, with deen, with mm. religion where like the religion was it would like ooze out of people and like People would like vibe with that, and people like wearing a kameez was like mine was a complete. You know what I mean? Wearing wearing a kameez was like yeah, like look yeah. at me. It's Friday, I'm wearing my kameez, and like eight thousand other people are also For wearing rare. their kameezes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the adhan like when you now I live in Syria, you can hear the adhan like mm-hmm. out loud. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that what it did what it did to me though was like I was just cemented in who I was. I knew mm-hmm. exactly who I was, and. My community did that for me, and when I say my community, it, it kind of involves my family as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. When I left the community and I went to high school mm. and like I went to other places, I got what he got, which is like that backlash of like, oh, well, no, you're, you're not that, you're this, mm. or you're not this, you're that, or th- mm-hmm. there's a pushback to what I thought I was.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, and what it did to me was like I just became very tenacious and very hard headed, and I was like, you know what, fuck y'all. I'm about to be exactly who I thought I was, mm. and maybe even better.
1: And, and it's the complete opposite with me, cause he's like, "Yo, effort, I'm gonna cause a scene." Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? I was and like, "I'm over here, like, yo, I'm not gonna cause a scene." <laughs> yeah. So if I gotta use
2: a fake accent yeah. to just get get around y'all, <laughs> I'm gonna have a little yeah. twang yeah. to my thing. You know what and, I mean? Like, <laughs> and like that's why community is so important, yeah, and that's absolutely. why like people look at me and I'm like, Cedar this, cedar that, cedar this, cedar that." I'm mm. like, "Why does this nigga love Cedar so much?" That's why, because yeah. like. It made me the man I am today Mm -hmm. and it gave me the confidence to be like, you know what? I can say and do and go anywhere I want because I know no matter what, even if I fail, I have a gang of people that got my back in this neighborhood that kind of raised me you know funny is, yeah. i live a few blocks away from him. Yeah, like really? that's the funny thing too
3: and it's like a different world completely different yeah world.
2: that's why like like i said earlier cedar's kind of its own bubble it's a nice but bubble yeah, yeah. If, if you want to put us in our in your dissertation
3: yeah i have to reach out we're,
2: we're free for interviews <laughs> yeah. but again thank you so much for coming we do appreciate Absolutely. it yeah you got thank anything you. else nope that's a wrap take care of your
1: minds
0: y'all have a good one <laughs>